Hey, Spicksters, happy Halloween. We just wanted to let you know that tomorrow we will be having a live stream in the main group. We are going to be chatting about the HLN original series, Real Life Nightmare. We were given a pre-screening on one of their episodes, thanks to Grayson. So if you are free tomorrow, November 1st at 6 p.m. Pacific time, come hang out with us. And if you're not a member yet, go down to the link tree below and check it out. And now enjoy today's Stabby. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. And welcome back to another stabby snippet here on Three Spooked Girls. It's been a while since we've done one of these, but we're back with them. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined with my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hey! And happy Halloween to all of you guys. Yay! It's Halloween! It's the best day of the year! (laughs) Right? The spookiest of spooks! So today for our... First, Stabby back. We're bringing you something a little special. You might see by the title, of course. But if not, today we are going to jointly be discussing a topic. It is the new show on HLN called Dead Wives Club. And more specifically, we're going to be chatting about the murder of Natalie Wood. Yes. OMG. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. I mean, from the second Tara and I saw that this show was coming on, it was like we looked at each other and we're like, this, this is something we will become obsessed with. Oh, yeah. And Jessica's using her HLN mug right now. Yeah, I am. Perfect. But yes. So for this, since it's a little different for us, Abby, we're going to run through the murders, the timeline and kind of everything and give our opinions on how the show went. So a little more similar style to a regular episode, but... We thought this was perfect for a Halloween stabby because it is unsolved, technically. Mm-hmm. So creepy, creepy. And I personally did not know too, too much besides the really hardcore basics on this case until this episode. And I need to know all the things now. Truth. Everything. Very much. To, like deep dive some more. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm for, We're for sure going to be doing an, another episode on this case. Yeah, we have to. This is my new obsession. This is my new obsession, even though this happened before I was born. It's fine. (laughs) Hey, it's totally fine. It's fine. There's just so many things in there that I was like, I knew the (sighs) story. Like, I knew that Natalie Wood was a a famous actress who died. Mm -hmm. But I was like, once I watched this, I was like, oh, my God, so much stuff. Exactly. Exactly. Ugh. Okay. So for those that do not know, this death... It's definitely, in my opinion, murder. I say murder. Happened over Thanksgiving weekend of 1981. Natalie Wood, at this time, was a very, very famous actress, very adored. Everybody loved her. And she, at this time, was going to be in a new movie with Christopher Walken. 
And she wanted to take this weekend to introduce Christopher Walken. I'm sorry. I have to say his whole name the whole time. I cannot just call him. They were calling him Christopher. And I'm like, no, I can't. (laughs) I know. It was really weird. And like, I think at one point in time, they called him Mr. Walken or something like that. And I was like, who the hell is Mr. Walken? Like, (laughs) his name is Christopher Walken. Right. Anyways, she wanted to introduce Christopher Walken to her husband, which is Robert Wagner. Now, Robert Wagner was technically a celebrity as well. He was more in the TV circuit. Mm -hmm. Not high as a caliber technically as Christopher Walken or Natalie herself, but still celebrity status. He, how do I put, it's how do I put this? It's like, like a TV personality, I guess, is similar to what today, right? I think it was more of like, I don't know if he was, it was actually, I know he was on a soap opera, but I think he was more of like a melodrama. There we go. There we go. I haven't actually watched the shows he's been on. I've seen the movies that he has played in, so I know who he is. He's number two in Austin Powers. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, now I feel like that's ruined for me, but it's okay. A little bit, right? Like, after this case, you're like, oh, I liked you. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll hear a couple different versions of what went down. Mm -hmm. The first one we're going to kind of go over is, I guess, the original story that kind of happened. Or was told. Or is told, yes. It was Natalie, Robert, Christopher Walken, and Dennis, which is, he worked on the boat and he actually built a friendship with, Robert is also known as RJ, Mm -hmm. RJ and Natalie. So he's in this. He plays a big part in this later on as well. Yes. He's in the interviews. Uh, Natalie's younger sister's in the interviews and a few other people. Yes. That Thanksgiving weekend, it said that they had dinner on the boat. And then Saturday, they had went ashore, had dinners and drinks, and then went back to the boat around 10 or 1030. Mm-hmm. And roughly around 1.30 a.m., Natalie was reported missing. And this is on November 29th now of 1981. Mm-hmm. So technically Sunday. Robert was said to have called to report her missing and then also that one of their dinghies was missing as well. Then later the next morning, so many, many hours later since she went missing. So I think they said around like eight or so. Mm -hmm. She would be found in the water. Yes. By Doug Bombard. And that's kind of the quick summary on the timeline. Now, nitty gritty. So Robert or RJ originally says he saw her around midnight before she went to bed in their suite or whatever you want to call it in the boat. I think they called it a state's room. Yeah. In the estate's room. Fancy. And he's saying that's the last time he saw her. After this part, we start getting some backstory on Natalie, which I thought was fantastic. A lot of the time, my complaint with true crime docu-series or documentaries is they're just more concerned about highlighting on the murders. Mm -hmm. They do make sure to highlight on Natalie, which if you guys know, like we obviously really appreciate that because the victims are the important thing in all of this. Oh, most definitely. I really liked that they highlighted who she was as a child actor because she's the original child actress. She's actually known as the original child actress. She played the little girl on Miracle on 34th Street. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know that was her. Yeah. And then she kind of grew up. And one of the things I loved about it is they showed how like kind of rambunctious she was. Like her mom didn't want her to do Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. And she was like, "Mm mm-mm. I'm going to do it. Right. And I was like, that's so cool. Because she was like six. And I didn't know she was like 16 when she did it. So 
they did such a great job of highlighting who she was as a human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not just as like an actress. I mean, they did a lot of that, but they talked about her career and her marriages and her kids. It was really, I think having her sis- her younger sister in this was a huge part in that too, because how toxic their mom was. Right. Oh, yeah. So, you know, that just that helps kind of build her background and everything. So that makes sense. And, you know, I thought that was cool, too, about that other movie and everything. So it was just really interesting to me. They did also discuss her marriages. It did talk about her marriage (laughs) marriages with RJ, because uh, if you don't know, she married RJ twice. Mm -hmm. She did. I wouldn't have the second time after this. But her sister said that he would make he was a very jealous person. He would make stupid snide comments. And just basically, if anyone was giving her too much attention, he'd have something to say about it. And there was audio or maybe an interview, like actual interview showing him saying how he didn't like this one guy she started dating after they got divorced. And he went over there with a gun. And I'm just like, okay, you're crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What was his name? It's just like it's right there in my head. He's a very famous actor. Warren Beatty. Yes. She was dating him and he went over to the guy's house and sat outside with a gun because he like was going to kill him. Right. And I'm like, this is not normal. Like, I get that people can be jealous and I get that people like have that. Like, if I can't have you know, but come on, like, really, do we need to go sit outside? And he says it's so cavalier. Like, yeah, like I just mm-hmm. sat outside of his house with a gun. Whatever. Yeah. It's not. a bit. That's what everyone does. Right. Was the 60s. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But before she remarries RJ, she does get married to another person and they have a child. They don't. I think he was a director or something. Um, They end up not working out. So then she ends up back married to RJ and they have a child and everything, according to her sister and everybody else saying how happy she was and how she would say her life is so full and, you know, all positive, positive, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So what was weird, though, you know, they kind of jump back into the murders now. Robert says when Natalie had went missing, he says maybe she went to visit another boat or had gone to shore, that this was something she would normally would go off and do. Put this in your pocket as a red flag. So he wasn't concerned at first. Right, right. And this wouldn't already add up just on the fact that she was found in a nightgown with no undergarments and also just a jacket on, no shoes or anything. Right. So she was obviously not dressed to go socialize. And another weird thing was that the key was in the ignition of the dinghy and then the oars were also like very perfectly in place. Like nothing was askew. And the weather that night, especially in California, was very stormy and just the water was really choppy and everything so this is just not how things should have been if she tried to go out by herself kind of thing right and then dennis also says that there's no way she would have went out by herself this is a little later in the episode but i'm just gonna say it now she Mm -hmm. had a huge phobia of dark water right there's even a clip of her saying that in an interview yeah she doesn't she wasn't very confident on the water Mm -mm. even though they had this boat which, by the way, its name was Splendor, which is not very splendorous. Yeah. And that was named after one of her films, I believe. Mm-hmm. It was like Dennis said that she was the type of person when she would get in the dinghy to begin with, two people would have to help her in. Mm-hmm. She would never just step into it. She was very, even on the calmest of days, 
she was very like, uh, and she wouldn't just get into the water. Like she wouldn't have swam to shore. She wouldn't have done anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then he also mentions too, there's no way she would have jetted off by herself because she didn't even know how to start the motor because since she was so scared, she didn't bother to even learn how to do any of that stuff. Right. So as far as her autopsy and stuff goes, the original medical examiner said she must have slipped and fell into the water while getting into the dinghy. It's also noted that her blood alcohol level was at a 0.14. They did note that this was considered intoxicated while driving because it is over the legal limit in California, but he wouldn't have considered her drunk. Mm -hmm. Of course, since she's a celebrity and everything, the media took this and ran with it and was like, she was blind drunk and she fell and died. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they took a slight rumor or a slight fact and turned it into this giant thing where it was it literally the headline said like actress drowned while drunk or drunk actress drowns. It was like very right. It made her look like she wasn't being responsible or that she wasn't. It basically took all of the pressure off anyone else in this case because they're like she had to have slipped and fell like that's just it. Exactly. Another thing that bothered me so bad was when they said that Pretty much two weeks after her death and she was buried and everything, the story was just basically done. Right. Everyone just accepted it was an accident. And Robert went back to work two weeks later as well. And, you know, the fact that he started courting or dating his next wife less than three months later. Okay. So I have several thoughts on that. So as someone who has lost people in her life, I like the day after, like two days after my mom died, I was back at work. Mm-hmm. Um, the day after my dad died, I went back to work. A lot of times work puts you back. You have a perspective that you need. You need to get into a normal routine. So I don't find that as awkward. Mm-hmm. Also, men, and I'm not I'm not saying this to be like, this is why he did it. But this is statistics is that men typically get into relationships quicker after the passing. Mm-hmm. And it could have been seen as a way to normalize his life. Like I can go into a relationship because I have a guilt free conscience. Mm. Like I'm not over here like, oh, my God, I killed my wife and I need to move on and be consoled. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I see it as. I have a definitely a different I have a different opinion of um him now than I did prior. Mm-hmm. Um especially cuz later on we're going to drop some bombs. Yeah. But at this point in the show, I was more or less like, okay, this tragic accident happened and he's just trying to make some sort of sense in his life. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But that's at this point in the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I got you. I got you. I know we're on the same page as a whole. Right. (laughs) Funny enough, though, a month later, Robert started singing a little bit of a different tune. He changed his story up and was saying that Natalie must have been trying to secure the dinghy and fell in. Not that she was going anywhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And Dennis and I believe Marty also said that there was no way. Actually, yeah, it must have been her sister. There was no way Natalie would have been messing with the dinghy herself. Besides Mm -hmm. like already what we talked about, if it was something like that that was going on. Because RJ tried to say that it was it woke her up and it was like, you know, um, smacking against the boat kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And oh, this is normal. It happened all the time. She'd go out and fix it. And Dennis and her sister were like, no. If something like that had happened, she would have went and asked Dennis. Like she was comfortable enough to be like, "Hey, can you, can you fix the boat for me, please?" Like, right. 
And also, that would have been Dennis's job. Exactly. Like, as much as everyone is like, they're friends. Like, Dennis was a hired man. Like, he worked for them. Right. Exactly. So she would have asked him to do what he was there to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Which, though, brings us into Dennis's account of what really happened, which is quite a different tale than what we've heard so far. It is, you know. Yes. So basically, kind of the overview, it starts off with RJ trying to sort of impress Christopher Walken with the boat being like, here's this and here's that. I don't know boat terms, so you know, but like doing all the things. But then when they got to Catalina, all hell pretty much broke loose. Yeah. Essentially, after dinner that first night, Christopher Walken supposedly went to his room and then RJ was insisting on moving the, this is on Friday, moving the boat to a secure location or secluded location. And Natalie was just like, why would you want to do that? This is weird. Like the weather's really bad. No, just leave it, you know, and he kept on insisting, insisting, insisting. So she was like, you know what? I've had enough. Dennis and Natalie, because she asked him being like, hey, will you escort me to this hotel off? So they went and actually spent Friday night off the boat. Yes. And Saturday, she decided to be like, well, we need to try to salvage this trip. Christopher Walken's here. So she went back. And then Christopher Walken and Natalie go to this like bar restaurant thing Mm -hmm. that's there. And then later, Dennis and RJ meet up with them. And then they're there till about 1030 or so. Mm -hmm. And they're said to have been having, you know, dinner, drinks, having a good time. And RJ's just kind of like, okay, we need to go back now. We need to go back to the boat. Right. And the impression I'm getting with Dennis is he was probably in, I mean, obviously RJ and Natalie were his boss, his employers, but it seems like he was intimidated by RJ as well. I definitely got that vibe. I mean, he even says it later. Yeah. So like, you know, at first he's like, yeah, we were trying to like stay because we were having a great time but he kept insisting so we're like okay you're like you're in charge so let's go Mm -hmm. so they go back and christopher walken and natalie are sitting on a couch and they're talking and then rj freaks out and busts a bottle of wine whatever and ask if christopher walken's essentially trying to get with natalie and sleep with her in a much more explicit way (laughs) oh very much he basically took that bottle of wine and smashed it because dennis says that when they were at dinner and drinks no one else wanted to leave it was just rj and he was insisting on it and so i think natalie kind of saw that our like i have a feeling that their relationship was a little like up and Mm downy and um that he had bits of like rage (laughs) yeah And I have a feeling that she didn't want to embarrass herself or him Mm -hmm. because I know during this time, a lot of spouses would just kind of try to make it like make it better type situation Mm -hmm. because I think RJ was really trying to impress Christopher Walken. Like what you said earlier is Dennis's account is that he took him up to like the bridge of the boat and was like, and basically was showing him like all the fancy instruments and everything like that. So I think it was very important to RJ that Christopher Walken really like him. Mm -hmm. But he was drunk and he walks in and he sees his wife and her co-star who is a romantic lead and knows that they have been at least like fake intimate with one another (laughs) type situation. 
And he just slams that bottle down that Dennis got out and was like, are you trying to F my wife? Mm-hmm. And um, this is the point where Christopher Walken is just like, is just, I'm going to go to bed. Bye. Because obviously it's awkward as hell. <laughs> right. Because you're trapped on this boat. <laughs> right. It's really Oof. awkward because you can't go anywhere. And so the only place he could go is his room to be by himself. So he goes to bed. At this point in time, Natalie, I I would just be so embarrassed. Mm-hmm. You know, I would be like, oh, my God, my husband has just embarrassed me in a way that I mean, think about it. At that time, Christopher Walken was one of the biggest up and coming movie stars. Right. So basically, it's like he did this in front of Tom Holland mm-hmm. today. Exactly. Yeah. And you know that people will talk and that everyone in la hollywood talk so she probably was thinking oh my gosh my reputation is just it's done for Mm -hmm. so she goes to the room and from what i understand and correct me if i'm wrong he follows her yeah because that's where the that's where the argument starts Mm -hmm. so they start having their argument and then at some point they leave their room and go outside yeah they go on the deck and dennis is in the control he's in some area basically so he can hear them but he's like away from them because he's like oh god this is awkward let me stay away Mm -hmm. he said he can when they were downstairs he could hear them throwing things and yelling and he's like this is the worst fight i've ever heard them have right and then he they're on the deck and he said they're still yelling they're still arguing and then it just stops yeah which is a little concerning well he also at this point in time turns music on yeah yeah oh yeah that's right he turned as soon as he heard like stuff being thrown he he like blasted music to be like okay la 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 (laughs) i mean again like as friendly as dennis and rj and natalie were with one another i think dennis always kind of understood that this is my boss like i work for rj right and natalie and it is inappropriate for me as an employee to hear the personal arguments. I think he had probably heard enough throughout the tenure of working together. And um, he just knew like, oh, I'll just turn up the music and it'll eventually get over. Exactly. And yeah, so when it got quiet, he assumed that, you know, they made up, they were done fighting. It was over. Mm -hmm. He kind of looks down because from where he was in the upper deck, he could see them. And he says that he looks down and he sees what he thinks is RJ bent over Natalie. Either she's fallen or something like that. And then he goes to go downstairs. and But when he gets downstairs, she's gone, which is like a weird thing because I don't know how big this boat is, but I don't think it takes a long time. Right, exactly. Because essentially RJ... Dennis comes running downstairs to RJ and he's just like standing. If you can imagine like the back of the deck, there's like the boat and then you kind of go down probably a little ladder to a swim step. But there's a little wall and RJ is like leaning against the wall right there as Dennis comes down. Mm -hmm. And Dennis is like, where's Natalie? Mm -hmm. And very calmly, RJ tells him, I don't know where she is. She's missing. And Dennis then starts to search. Well, for at one point in time, RJ says, oh, she's probably with Christopher Walken. And Dennis goes and checks and opens the door. And he sees that it's just Christopher Walken on his bunk 
by himself sleeping. Right. Or sleeping. <laughs> I don't know if he was asleep or not. But yeah. Dennis searches the whole boat and then comes back and basically tells RJ that Natalie is gone and not on the boat. And then RJ does the weirdest thing. He says to Dennis, why don't we have a drink? Yeah. Literally, the weather out isn't good. It's cold enough that she had to put on a jacket. Mm -hmm. It's rocky. It's windy. And your wife is missing off a boat. And you say, let's have a drink. And then it's like a couple hours that goes by. Yeah. So that happens at 1130. And then he calls he doesn't call the coast guard he just calls on the local radio to the other boats around one to say hey she's missing blah 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 and they start searching and then it wouldn't be until about four and a half hours after that that the actual coast guard would come to start searching for her and this is at a point later in the film or later in the documentary they talk about why didn't you call the coast guard right away because that's that's the most logical sense they have the most manpower they'd be able to search he said it was something along the lines of like, you know how Hollywood is. If we had found her on another boat, it would have been a scandal. Right. Another thing that was questioned is they have a searchlight on top of their boat. And Dennis had said a couple of times, why don't we get up there and turn that searchlight on? And Dennis said, you can see it for like a half a mile. We, why don't we get and turn it on? And RJ was like, we're not doing that. We're not going to turn that light on. Oh. <sighs> I don't like it. Don't like it. Mm-mm. So kind of jump ahead to years later now after this. So Dennis had a really tough time living with this because for the longest time he didn't tell authorities his accounts because it was kind of that. What I'm thinking is and I mean, honestly, it seems like this is what happened. It seemed they just kind of took RJ's word for what happened and they're like, OK, we're going to go with this is what happened. And that was that. Pretty much. He ends up leaving California. He moved back to wherever he was from kind of thing. Um, And he has this friend that we mentioned earlier, Marty, and he just spills all of this. Mm-hmm. And she's like, you need to go to the police. You need to tell them what is going on with this. So what infuriated me is they said they contacted the police multiple times over the decades to try to get them to get this information. And pretty much they kept getting told this case is closed. Right. But thankfully, in 2011, this case was finally reopened. It basically took these the like Marty and Dennis hounding. They were going to different media sources. They weren't giving up, essentially. Mm-mm. LAPD at the time prior just kept giving them the runaround. And then finally, I think it was the new DA or something like that came up and they were... Yeah, we have to look into this. We should at least look into this because if it comes back that this is exactly what happened and they can prove that this is what happened, then we're not doing our due diligence and they got assigned two new detectives. Mm -hmm. The autopsy, like Tara mentioned earlier, said that she had bruising and, and different kinds of injuries, but that was all from falling into the water and maybe hitting the dinghy on the way down. But the new coroner was like, that's not something that can happen. People don't get bruises from falling in water from that distance. Yeah, he he said she had 24 bruises and she had an abrasion on her face and she had contusions on her body. And there was no way this was done because of the water. 
And also, they found water in her lungs, which means she was alive before entering it. They don't know, like... If she was conscious. If she was conscious or not, but they know she was alive. And another huge thing was they changed the cause of death from accidental to undetermined. So that was a big, big thing. That That's a huge turning point in a case like this because to get a change at this point, it was 30 years old. Right. To have a change 30 years after is almost an act of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy. I know, sadly, one of the detect one of the main detectives died earlier this year, so mm-hmm. that was sad. But interesting enough, and they said this towards the end, RJ never did an official interview back then or now. Right. Essentially, the police came on board. They asked questions. He gave them a statement, and that was his involvement. Mm-hmm. But they've had plenty of, I know, after especially after the autopsy, that's when they started getting a bunch of tips. I know some of those kind of conflict mm-hmm. with Dennis's account and everything. But what I thought kind of helps with his credibility was they asked him to do a polygraph test in regards to all of this, and he passed. Like, they said it wasn't even close that he passed. Like, 120 million percent. I mean, one of the accounts is that a neighboring boat heard someone yelling for help mm-hmm. and they heard a drunken voice yell back like don't get your britches in a twist or something like that i'll be right there like we'll get you out right and so one of the things is this is one of the conflicts is how could another boat hear this but dennis not be able to hear this being on the boat and i think it kind of backs up his story as well that he had the music playing and if he's inside and the music is playing and he's and it's not blaring out to other people, he wouldn't be able to hear what was going on outside the boat. But other people would. And they knew the time it was happening mm-hmm. because they said that they had just gotten their son a digital watch for his birthday and they asked him what time it was and he gave an exact time. And so it's about 11, 11 o'clock, which is about the time that this all was happening. Yeah, they said 11.03, so like a very specific time. Yeah, it was very weird. It was like, oh, Mm -hmm. cool. That's a very distinct time of day. Like they have reference. Mm -hmm. I mean, my opinion is that if something happened, I mean, there's a theory that Robert was just drunk and didn't really know what was going on. And that Mm -hmm. at the end of it, like he doesn't actually know if she fell in. I mean, her wounds, and I say wounds, not like abrasions like her wounds because I think she was attacked Mm -hmm. one of the other interesting things is in regards to Christopher Walken at first it was the same thing with Robert or RJ they just took his statement and then later on they questioned him and he you know he gave a statement he then after Anytime he was ever asked about it, he just said the party line, which is that Mm -hmm. it was an accident and it's very sad that she's gone. And then after they reopened the case in 2011, he went in and spoke to the police one more time. Um, Since then, RJ has not. And one of the things that really broke my heart is they showed a conversation between Lana Woods, which is Natalie's younger sister, and RJ at some event, it looked like they were at like a casino It was or a hotel. It was weird. And she's asking him to just te- like to talk to the police and just tell them what he knows, like whether it's the story that he's said all along or anything. 
And he gets so upset with her for asking him to do this. Like, why would you ask me this? Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this to our family? That's her sister. Right. And you're questioning why she really wants the truth. Right. Exactly. It even bothered me. I just it's not her fault, but it's like the interview part with the daughter. Oh, she's obviously been just essentially told this is what happened. It was an accident. The end. And of course, she accepts that because her dad's told her this. So you know what I mean? Right. I'm just like, I don't know, because they said, do you have any lingering thoughts, blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, no, it was an accident. I don't like it is what it is. And I'm just like, hmm. But again, I can't really. I Again, to play as devil's advocate here, it's probably a very hard thing to sit there and have already lost your mom. Yeah. But be thinking like, could my dad have been had a part of this? Right. I mean, and that's basically what they're saying is that RJ got upset and like did something where he was violent against her and then threw her overboard. Mm hmm. And one of the things that that was really interesting is they had someone talk about how people really drown versus how we think people drown. Yeah. Which is that people think that people drowning make big splashes and it's dramatic. But a lot of times, especially in water that's cold or rough, people just go into shock and they just like their instinct is to try to swim and try to stay floating. And, you know, maybe... That's not what happened with her. Maybe she was shot. Maybe she was shouting and wanting help and he didn't come get her. And then it would make perfect sense for him to untie the dinghy and set it adrift as well, because especially if it's around the same time, they were going to float together. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think there's so much with this case that could be said. Yeah. I know that Christopher Walken has kind of changed the story a little bit mm-hmm. to say like Dennis like the same type of things leading up to him going to bed lineup. Yeah, but only to the police. Like he did not participate in this interview. He doesn't participate in any interviews or anything like that on it. It's it's also probably really hard because it's been what, 38 years out on this? Oh yeah, I'm not putting any blame on him or anything like that. It's just hopefully he gave them what info he could kind of thing is all. Right. And I think it's also pretty hard when you have a network calling you and says, hey, we're doing a story on. I mean, think about how many times he's probably been asked to talk about this case publicly. Mm -hmm. And it probably would have been career suicide long ago if he was talking about it. But I mean, he has such an established career right now. I mean, Christopher Walken is one of the most beloved actors on Mm -hmm. the planet. Like you can at me all you want about it. I mean, (laughs) I think he's hilarious and i love it <laughs> yeah different type of situation now but can still understand why he's like no and it's it's also one of those things like we have seen someone else just come out and speak about things in other cases and somehow they end up being a suspect and it gets pinned on them so he's probably in a weird situation where like what if i speak up and they think i did it this is true i mean and maybe he has, maybe he's cooperated with the police 100% and has told them everything he knows. Yeah, that's all we can hope for. Yeah, I hope that this coming out will make RJ step up and just meet with the police. Because, like, this is the honest truth. If he has nothing to hide, meeting with the police is should be a no-brainer. I don't think he will. But there was that, like, 95-year-old who admitted to 
being a serial killer, basically. So you never know. Right. We might not ever know what happened 100% to Natalie Wood. It's more at the sake for her family. I mean, obviously her sister cares and Dennis cares. We don't know what the other daughter feels because you have to also realize that one of her daughters is not RJ's daughter. Mm -hmm. And they interviewed the daughter who is RJ's daughter. And it was a different, it wasn't an interview for this show. It was just a different interview. And I mean, RJ has gone on to live a lustrous career. He, like Tara said, he got remarried. I think he might have more children. I can't remember. But, you know, he's done pretty well for himself. But there's still this question of what happened to Natalie Woods. Mm -hmm. I think this show, this series is going to be amazing because it's literally just talking about women who were killed. And I'm thinking that because it's called the Dead Wives Club, it's either killed by their husbands or suspected to have been killed by their husbands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in our time, there's another one dropping here in a couple days. So I'm excited. I know. I'm really I'm looking forward to this series. For sure. Yeah, it's going to be good. So definitely check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, if you haven't already. And if you don't have the channel, fun fact, you can do it as an add on on Hulu. We discovered that. (laughs) Why to activate live? But oh, yeah, I was fine with that. You know. And then if once you have it, you can just do what I do, which is watch HLN all day and watch Forensic Files. <laughs> our other fave, our other fave. My God, I love Forensic Files. Right? It's so great. And there's so many on Netflix, too. Little extra fun fact for you guys. So go watch all those. It's everywhere. Just because I already watched them all. It's fine. But that is going to wrap us up here for our stabby snippet today. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope you're happy that they're back. I know someone was confused that last week they were back and we had to be like, no, not yet. But here you go. Here you go. It's here. (laughs) We hope you guys have a safe and happy Halloween if you are listening to this when this airs. Mm -hmm. If not, we hope you enjoyed your spooky day. But we will catch you on Monday for our next regular episode. Bye, guys. Yes. Bye.